I do remember we were standing on the River Lee behind Brad's dad's house, and my brother came and took the picture for us. Oh, it's on a river though, isn't it? There's always like, yeah, fuck it, we'll take some photos in a wooded area. Why? Yeah, yeah, or like, you need the woods or you need an industrial estate. Hello and welcome to episode six of the fun-filled Back in the Band podcast. We're going on a nostalgic journey to relive the days when being in a band and the music of that time had us feeling like rock stars and living our wildest dreams. The music of that era has left a lasting impression on us and we're super excited to share those memories with you. But here we are, just happy to no longer be paying all of our student loan on fixing our band's Ford Transit touring van every fucking month. As always, we'll be asking today's guest about the hoodies they wore, the gigs they saw, the songs they learned, the money they burned, the music they made, their dreams of getting laid, their first MP3s, the printed and ripped CDs, the strings they snapped and the bands they clapped. So let's go back to a time where one of the most important things you could do online was to rearrange your top eight friends on MySpace and get this podcast going. Rightio, episode six. Been a couple of weeks, mate, hasn't it? Since we heard about Dave's old band offending all the old men, so much so they taking their pants off in disgust. How have you been, man? Yeah, I've been good. You know, it's been a busy few weeks of obviously heavy promotion for the podcast. I had a hectic schedule of organising guests. I went to Prague to promote the podcast uh, to the masses out there. We went European, so you'll probably see that boosted in the listening figures up soon. I think we're nearly booked up for all of Series 1 now, right? I think we've got three more guests lined up after today and room for only one more for Series 1. Are you surprised we've managed to do Yeah, I mean, I've got three friends, so the fact that we're potentially on nine is quite impressive, actually. <laughs> but yeah, it's been really good, man. Really enjoyed it, how we've listened. Everyone's been listening to it and responding to it in a really positive way. I mean, clearly it's just our mates and, and their mates and possibly my mum and dad on a, on a bad day. But I think the theme in itself has been really positive and really gone down really well, you know? Everyone's really remembering those days and how we all got into it and got really passionate about it and how much it meant to us all at that time. So it's really striking a chord. You didn't tell me Bev was listening, by the way. Yeah, she told me that she listened to the first episode. Bev is my mother, for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> that she listened to the first episode with my dad over dinner one time. They sat down and had shepherd's pie and listened to it. So if you listen, mum and dad, I hope that the chicken pie today is all right as well. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, yeah, no, it's been awesome. I've been loving the diversity of guests. We've got people who've actually done stuff in bands and done quite well out of their music careers and some that, quite frankly, haven't and have taken somewhat different paths, like me. But it got me a bit nostalgic for just that feeling of picking up my guitar as a 14-year-old kid, lost and confused and without any purpose in life besides, like, football and doing something that felt a bit more purposeful. Do you know what I mean? I do, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's been a big AOL-sized shaped void in my life for a while and it looks like this podcast can fill that void so without further ado let's invite our next guest into the group chat today's guest is adam fez adam and i met back in 2005 at varley halls of residence at brighton university as ever we became friends over our shared love of similar music i distinctly remember one of our first conversations where we sat in his bedroom in these halls of residence and adam asked me if i liked the band hondo mclean while we drank strongbow and cranked up his laptop speakers a friendship was born right then and then we spent many years ripping cds sharing music and in between my part-time shifts at Asda, we might have even jammed in his room once or twice, although 
I'm pretty sure it was just me playing his bass while Adam was on MySpace. Adam has always been connected to music and he's still very closely connected in his career. He's currently the managing director of his music publisher and is part of the management team for successful artists such as Jungle and Hot Chip. When he was younger, he was in a band called Proceed, who toured the UK a lot in the noughties and the tens, and my fellow podcast host Stu's old band Siren Lake even toured with them, driving around the country in dodgy vans and playing at half-empty pubs, which I want to hear a lot more about, please, guys. So, welcome, Adam. Hello, how are you? I'm good, man. Can I still call you Fez, though? We're still middle, we're a bit middle-aged now. Fez, all right? You can't, there's like a select few people that still call me that. And I would like you to be one of them. Thanks, man. Well, let's get straight in the mood with our third question for you. What is the most memorable gig you've ever attended? Actually, you know what? It would be my first big show that I ever went to because it was quite a transitional period in my life. But it was at Wembley Stadium and it was Offspring headlining. What was that record that had the flame head on the front in blue? And I, was it Conspiracy of One? Was yeah, that, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think it was that tour and AFI and A supported. Yeah, sick. It, it was pretty, pretty banging. I remember my dad dropping me off at McDonald's in Wembley and then walking over there like a legend. <laughs> Yeah, man. It sounds like a classic first gig, though. I remember my first big one was Limp Bizkit, and we all spray-painted our hair with Wembley Arena. Spray-paint your hair, and we stood in the seats at the top, rocking out. Amazing. So, bands aside, as a punter, you started to play music. When did you start playing music yourself? As a kid, like a tiny kid, I did the classic recorder, and then I played violin, hated it. And I remember being in the violin lessons, and I'd be looking at the clock, and then one day the teacher saw me just constantly staring at the clock. And she's like, why, <laughs> like, why are you bothering? And I was like, I'm, I am eight years old. So, you know. <laughs> and then uh, I sacked off violin and then our next door neighbor at the time had a Glenn Miller tribute. So I was doing like loads of old army tunes and shit like that. Like, sick. It was pretty banging, actually. And then he offered to teach me trumpet. And I was like, yeah, man, sick. Trumpets are cool. I can't even remember how old I was, man. But I was, like, young. And then I got well into trumpet. So I was in the school jazz band and, like, the school big band. And then I think I auditioned for the Hertfordshire County Jazz Band. I think I went up to grade five. And then I did my grade five theory. And then... I was probably like a teenager by that point. I was like, "Fuck doing this anymore!" Like, gonna get bullied. Yeah. Is lame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a shame because now, like, I actually play trumpet again in a band, and I really enjoy it. That's weird. It's weird how it all comes back around, doesn't it? It's like it's not cool for a minute just because you don't want to get taken piss out of or something by some kid or whatever. All of a sudden, you're like, "I don't give a shit." Now I'm like, trumpets are sick. So I had a big break from trumpet, and then. I started to learn guitar in secondary school. Then I had lessons. Hated it. Because all I wanted to do was play like new metal riffs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which is obviously like a drop it to D and then do a bar chord. Yeah, yep. that's it. That's um, it. And he just wouldn't teach me that, which was out of order. So, <laughs> and all, he was like a wicked teacher as well. So it's just me being stupid. He was like, you're literally wasting my time with this crap music. So that, that was it for like formal music. When did you start a band then? What was the first band you had in school? I was a bit of a late bloomer, I think, because some of the guys that I've listened to on the podcast were starting bands at 12 years old. Whereas for me, I was still listening to Garage and wearing like Adidas <laughs> poppers and Kappa yes. track suits. Yeah, yeah, man, we'd have been mates. We'd have been mates. So that was it 
for quite a while till I was maybe 15 and we started this punk band called Separate Identity, which I was playing bass in at the time, I think. But it all changed. Do you remember that game Tony Hawk's? I think I heard the soundtrack for that and I was like, oh my God, what is this shit? <laughs> and I was initially like resistant to it and then I got into the subculture. There's been some documentaries about Tony Hawk and his influence. That game, all the set of games that came out, man, they, they had a massive impact culturally. Like, it's insane. Yeah, separate identity, man. So it was basically me and three mates who all thought we were oi punks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was 15 years old. But I think we first got into it via like the fat rep sort of family of bands. We were writing the songs, actually. You know what? So before Separate Identity, there was a band at school called Neutral Mode and Neutral was spelled N-U, obviously. So that, that band existed and that was actually Dan from Proceed. And then when that band disbanded, Separate Identity was born. And was that name like a bit of a diss towards some of the members? Separate, of Mate, I don't know. Like now that you say it, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> There was also, so I was in separate identity for a bit and then I think I got kicked out because I was so shit at bass. (laughs) 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 So they replaced me and then uh, I joined Proceed or like Dan and I started Proceed or something, I can't remember. But then there was like this beef between Proceed and separate identity that I remember. Same school. Yeah, same school. And weirdly, we were all friends, but there was like this rivalry between the bands. And it was at a time when, do you remember you could have those GeoCities? Yes, mate. And the separate identity, (laughs) mate. They made like a diss site for Proceed, (laughs) where it was just taking the piss out of the Proceed site. It was great. Not at that time, fuming. Yeah, but you kind of morally in that position, you're like, I think we've won. We're, we're, you're making yeah, the effort to do yeah. that. Yeah, we must, we must be the better band. So you got kicked out. When you got kicked out, were you like, I need to try twice as hard, begging for your job back? Like, Dan, come on, give me a second chance. I remember that I had that guitar from the guitar lessons that I used to have. And I had a little Fender Squire amp. And you buy it as a set, right? When of course, it comes with a free shitty guitar strap as well. Yeah, yeah. And you can push a button in on the amp and it, it does the distorted mode. It was shit, but it was actually great. I remember the practices in our mate's tiny bedroom and it'd be like a drum kit and everyone just standing yes. around the drum kit and like hassling my mum to um, take me there because it was in the next town. And to be fair... I'll take you, but you, I'm not picking you up any later than seven o'clock at mate, night. I'm, I'm they sure were was really sound. None of my family played music. I was like the first person to dip my toe in that. They are always really good with dropping me off or taking my gear somewhere. Cheers. Cheers, family. Okay, so when you got into Proceed, when did that properly start off? How old were you then? I remember practicing in... There was like a music block at school and we used to practice in the music block so I've been like maybe 15 16 something like that so it was me and Dan I think we started it and then Brad who you guys will know Brad was in the year below but he was the only other drummer we knew that wasn't in separate identity and he was also like you'll do you're the only other drummer that do you want to do it yeah he was a savage he was like really ripped like the most ripped 15 year old <laughs> and also he could grow like a little beard Aww. so we were like that guy is insane brad You're joined in. yep yeah yeah you are in boy what was proceeds first first song 
probably the last resort, man, by Papa Roach. Papa Roach. Something like that. So good. But I remember when we were fully in the zone with that band, it was probably, when did that first Linkin Park record come out? I remember that was pretty massive for us. So there was yeah. that Linkin Park record, that first Papa Roach record. So it was mainly just covers then at the start, because obviously like Proceed went to do very good stuff musically, but it obviously didn't start at that. So it started out with mainly covers or was it always like... It was a mix. There was a cover here and there. And then we did this record, which we recorded at Dan's house. He had a really early version of Pro Tools, I think. I remember recording it in his study and his mum and dad getting very mad. We would be up at like midnight recording shitty bass. <laughs> but I need to put the amp up to nine to get the valves going. Yeah. Mate. So with Proceed, started off by doing covers of Papa Roach and Linkin Park, well, the same yeah. things, and then obviously at some point get pretty good. Did you, was that in school or was it a bit later that you kind of go? Oh, oh yeah, we weren't good in school. We did a record, that thing we recorded at Dan. It was like a whole album and we printed loads of copies on CD and there was a track in Hartford where our school was. So we went and we sold the record in tracks. Like you give them five and then if they sell them, they give you some money. Maybe we sold five copies. I can't remember. That thing I sent to you the other day where someone's uploaded it online, I was like, where the fuck <laughs> has someone got that from? And like the artwork and all this stuff is insane. I don't... That must have been pretty cool though, right? When you found that, like you guys have done good stuff. But even stuff like that so far down the line, just see that someone's gone to that effort. Yeah, it's quite mental, man. But I remember at the time we were pumped because it was like a real tangible album and it had artwork and we did a photo shoot on the river and all this Very stuff. Like, and this is the one that you wore, those glasses that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I, like, I don't know where those glasses came from, but I do remember we were standing on the River Lee behind Brad's dad's house and my brother came and took the picture for us. Always oh, on a river though, isn't it? There's always like, yeah, fuck it, we'll take some photos in a wooded area. Why? Yeah, yeah, like, or like you need the woods or you need an industrial estate. And in school then, so you're saying there was obviously another band. Do you think that helped your social status? So I went to an all-boys school. So in terms of female interaction, it was very limited. Man. So no one wanted to kiss me. <laughs> so you're just playing some men. Your first gig's just groups of geezers just like fighting. It's hanging out with the guys. <laughs> yeah, the pool. I remember playing a house music concert. We played at the end and we performed one of our original compositions. And I was like, this is quite sick. Like, we're on a big stage and there's like an audience. I think after that, we went on to do like a rock contest. It was a Not venue Battle of the Bands Essex. or something. Yeah, it's like Battle of the Bands. They called it the rock contest. And that thinking about it now, why didn't they call it Battle of the Bands? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, someone knows that. Why are you rebranding it? Like, yeah, yeah, the rock contest. But it was a venue called The Square in Harlow, which I ended up spending so much time at growing up. They used to film it and they would give you a VHS after. And I remember one night being like, fuck, I rocked out so hard. And I was like swinging my hair around and like shredding on the bass. <laughs> and then like you get home, you're just pumped to see this VHS. You pop it in and you're literally <laughs> standing there like a statue. Just looking at the guitar. <laughs> just the worst. And you then the heavy bit comes like, in. I'm not watching that. Yeah. You do like two steps forward and you're like, paint. <laughs> so that was like quite fond memories. I wish I still had that video, man. Like I must have it somewhere. It was a terrible video. That's just growing up, isn't it? 
he did a bit of stint as a frontman as well. For you know what? So we were like new metal band at school. It was probably just before uni. Maybe we got into Alexis on Fire or some shit. I don't know. It was the evolution of new metal was going out of fashion, and the emo scene yeah. was coming through, and then a bit of screamo, and yeah, it would just evolved from that. And then the lineup changed a bit. So I ended up doing like all the shouty vocals, which I was pretty pumped about and like some electronics and we incorporated samples into it. But I think that was probably the time when we toured with Siren Lake, which was a great period in my life. I mean, I've never been so low. <laughs> Mate, I was pumped. Just Tell looking back on it, you guys were fucking good. And we were... So shit. I mean, I saw you were and like, good. every time that we come on after you guys, it's what the fuck do you want me to do with that? Why are you on after? Why are you on after? Well, it just depends on who just the gigs or. I feel like we just rotated it or. Because we were at uni, right? We, like, this was the first proper tour that we had done and we had this shitty old transit and you had a shitty old <laughs> transit the worst. too. Yeah, because you guys, it was like, oh, yeah, but we've got a PlayStation, mate. You want to play Pro Evo? <laughs> yeah, but we've... We've played, New Yorks. We, we've, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, We've painted the inside of ours blue, so we're on a pie. I, do, I think we broke down on that tour as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a piece of shit. I think we bought it from a school in West London somewhere, and we didn't really know what we were doing. We are like, oh, we need a minibus. And then we found a minibus for 500 quid. There was a wreck and we're like, yeah, sick. Do that up, spend double. Yeah, yeah, it. just watch it blow up. <laughs> Set it on to the next band. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it was, that was a good time. So let's go back to, so you're in school, obviously you started off with the covers and, you, and then things got a little bit better. And do you get to a point where you're like, actually, this, this isn't embarrassing anymore. This is quite cool. Like how, at what point was that? I think in my head at the time, when we recorded that, album i was like fuck yeah we'll probably sign to visible noise and be massive yeah yeah, yeah. visible noise yeah yeah profits wasn't it didn't they start yeah that's why that's why we were like yo we gotta send this to visible noise because that lost profits record yeah um would have probably come out around then yeah and i remember like the i can't remember if she was the head of the label or the a and r or whatever and i remember we would email it'd be like hey check this out she's probably like Fucking hell, what is it? <laughs> but yeah, man, we were like, well, we're probably going to be quite famous. Yeah. Was that always the intention? You were starting it with, once you got into the band, you were like, this is what I want to do. That's your, for you personally. Yeah, yeah, this is, I was like, this is me. And I had all of these like images in my head of touring and how it would be. Now working in the industry, it's, if I could have met myself then and just given me like a swift reality check, that would have been pretty cool. But what would you say? What would you say to him? Say, uh, good luck, mate, because you're going to be sleeping in a van for the next four years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is this why you balanced it out with a degree in marketing, just in case? It, mate, you, it was literally that. I was like, if this all goes tits up, at least I've got my sweet degree in marketing that I'll <laughs> definitely use. <laughs> yeah. You know, you must have had some shockers as well. Maybe not because of the music, but like anything that stands out, of, that is a complete waste of my time type gig. Oh, there's so many. The one that sticks in my head as being just fucking awful. I think it was in High Wycombe. There's a venue that has a strip club upstairs. So basically we played the venue to about two people. Quite depressed. Like we're on tour. <laughs> no one's got any money. And they're like, oh, you can come up to the strip club for free if you like. 
And then we were like, fuck it, okay. Not mad into strip clubs, but when you're on tour, <laughs> there's nothing. I was like, wicked, okay. And so we go up and there are some ladies doing their thing, school chairs in a row and just the girl in front of you dancing. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go and get a beer. So I go and get a beer, sit back down and this lady's finished dancing. She came round with a pint glass and I was like, what the fuck, you got an empty pint glass? This is so weird. Uh, like, and I'm quite naive to, to strip clubs at this point. At this point. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she, she holds out the glass and then I see these guys start putting money in the pint glass and I was like, oh, fuck. So I'm like going through my pockets madly, like trying to find some change or whatever. And all I have is about 35p <laughs> in like 5p coins. I was like, fuck, man, the world has to swallow me up now. And I'm like, it's a pound minimum for the dance, right? And I put this in and I'm like, fuck, I'm about to get the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> I just did that and I just left, man. I was like, I, I can't deal. Just I'm trying to be a rock star event. here, bro. Dude, that was a reality check for me. Rubbish. Do you have those moments? Like, I definitely had a few. I was just like, I don't, why am I doing this? Like, I don't need this. And also more because you kind of like invested in it emotionally in that way as well. Instead of just going, right, this is just a bit of fun. Yeah, like you said, despite all of that, We'd still recommend to our kids wholeheartedly today, join a band, do your best, do as early as you can, and have the best time of your life. And now it's time to reminisce and relive the memories with our My Napster section. Our guests have the opportunity to select a song that takes them back to their days as part of a band. In the early 2000s, we all spent hours downloading MP3s, entirely legally, of course, on Napster, LimeWire, and MX. It took an eternity, but we bloody loved it. So, Fez, mate, tell us about the track you've chosen and why. Okay, so I deliberated over this for a bit because I vividly remember trying to download shit and it would be like labeled Corn Deftones, like yeah. five different bands. And then you'd get it and it'd just be some absolute crash. But or porn. Or porn, you know, like... Turn up for the books, if nothing which else. Which is sort of a win-win. <laughs> but the one that really sticks for me is, because me and my mate Dave used to just sit and listen to it a lot, is that track No Cigar by Mill and Colin. Yeah. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang oh, it, man. Yeah, it was either that or Boards by Deftones. And I feel like Deftones is such an obvious, easy choice that someone else is going to pick it. So Me I want Colin, them to no have cigar. It. It's going in. What were you listening to it on? I would probably be listening to it on a what's it called? A discman? What C D. C D and like the, the C D discman. Because um I used to work in Tesco's at the weekends and I would always have my discman and it would either have a selection of Tony Hawk stuff or like a fat records compilation or some faux political shit like anti flag <laughs> thinking I was a legend, but yeah, man, it would be the Discman, I would say. What memories is that bringing back right now? Yeah, Mill and Colin, no cigar. What are you thinking about? Graffiti in car parks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, Fez, it's been an absolute pleasure. But for the final part of the show today, we're going to ask you a quick would you rather. We've tried to come up with a very difficult choice for you today, mate. Stu's come up with one half, I've come up with the other. Here we go. First choice. So would you rather have to be housemates with Fred Durst for the rest of your life where every morning when he sees you making coffee, he says stuff like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> or you only ever get to listen to me. <laughs> Or you only ever get to listen to music by downloading each track from scratch on Napster on a 56k modem, as you would in 2001. Well, mate, this is such an easy choice. Um, <laughs> I would pay to have the Fred Durst experience every single day. Pumped <laughs> <laughs> you'd be every morning. Are you taking it to the Matthews Bridge? Absolutely <laughs> am. Actually, just around the corner, mate. Just get a test. <laughs> Living it up, motherfucker. Mate, I would, I would love that. So, Fred Durst thanks. every day. Yeah, man. Love it. <laughs> I mean, there's a downside, right? He's literally there. Your child is growing up right next to Fred Durst. It's <laughs> <laughs> your housemate. I feel like he would be an additional child anyway. You're having a nice romantic night with the missus and he's there like talking about a chocolate starfish and stuff. And it's just... <laughs> is this is this red hat era, Fred Durst? Or like current red hat era? era yeah. No, red hat era. He's got a massive bomber jacket on every day as well. Like, yeah, good. It's midsummer, good. just like sweating his bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Some sort of nookie joke at some point when he Love comes it, man. Yeah. All right, sweet. Fred Durst is locked in. Love it. So that's the end of episode six. Amazing to hear how Proceed actually started out. Played a few shows with those guys and it's good to hear how they started out. You know, they started out doing Papa Roach covers and Linkin Park like the rest of us and went from being that, which is where we all were, and actually ended up being decent. So I really enjoyed hearing how they went on that journey, you know? Yeah, I saw they were like pretty anti sort of that new metal era, but no, we all fell into it. And it sounds like he was almost exactly the same as us. Papa Roach, Linkin Park, Limp Bizkit, it was all the same. Yeah, obviously they evolved into something slightly better than neural distortion, but nothing to be ashamed of, mate. But yeah, I really enjoyed, I took me back to Tony Hawk era, man. Graffiti, skateboards, jackass. They were an absolutely hilarious time. It was all part of it though, wasn't it? It was all yeah. just the same people that were into that were then into the same music. And kind of, if you don't get that, then you were, listening to yeah. LB's debut solo album instead. It just kept us like entertained. I remember just being like, what are we going to do on a Friday night? And you just grab a camcorder and try and pretend to put some tracks over some shit skateboarding or just downloading like a Blink-182 video on WinMX, for example. You're like, I am punk, really. You're just like Fez in an all-boys school, hoping your mum's going to take you to practice. Well, I think it was probably the first really got into tour life there quite a lot with feds i never really got to experience it but i like hearing those stories man must have been some dark times on the road you did a little bit must have been hilarious yeah it's part of it isn't it like you said part and parcel of the journey so exactly. that's the end of our journey today it's been really good fun don't forget to hit that follow and subscribe button and show your love by giving us a whopping five star rating because let's be real we're not actually that bad we deserve more than the one star that you pressed the first time we asked you and if you do that, Lee will show his gratitude by plugging you into his own guitar amp, which was actually a bass amp that his mum's partner gave him for free before he bought his first martial amp. Tune in for the next episode where we're going to hear some more stories about being in a band during the school days and how it changed us all as people. The next episode's a banger, by the way. You don't want to miss this. A huge shout out to Fez for joining us on the podcast today. If you've got any suggestions or ideas, reach out to us on Twitter, Back in the Band Pod or on our brand new Insta channel, Back in the Band Pod as well. If you're a friend of ours or know someone who would be interested in being a guest on the show, you can email me at toxy underscore not at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Listen, I to